At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Three, two. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and with me is Ron Hicks. Welcome to the program, Ron. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate it, brother. Hey, we're going to talk about a topic that we really haven't gotten into before, mm-hmm. and that's on the U.S. military strike that took out an Iranian general, really mm-hmm. the second most influential person in the whole country. Right. Uh, general Qasem, uh, let's see here, Soleimani, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but this uh, it's a fluid situation. I, you know, we're this is a pre-recorded program, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure what mm-hmm. has happened, but it has created a firestorm yeah. internationally. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other leaders across the globe that have weighed in on this, and then here in this country, you've had both political parties, leaders in both parties, weigh in, and also celebrities weigh in on this as well. This interesting uh, tweet by an actress, uh, Rose McGowan. She apologized to Iran in a tweet, and she said this, Dear Iran, the USA has disrespected your country, your flag, your people. 52% of us humbly apologize. We want peace with your nation. We are being held hostage by a terrorist regime. We do not know how to escape. Please do not kill us. Uh, That was very interesting because I don't think she speaks for 52% of the people (laughs) that she was referring to were those that voted against Trump. Uh, in the 2016 election. I, I'm not being disrespectful by laughing. The, this is just so ridiculous to me. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, first of all, that that all of Iran is saying, hey, what did Rose McGowan tweet? Yeah. She's not a popular yeah. actress, well, by the way. It's almost She's... like I, I've got a buddy that, that gets on Facebook when the Titans are playing, and he tweets, you know, come on, defense. And I'm like, <laughs> I, te- I joke it with him. And I said, hey, you know, the whole coaching staff is like, hey, what what is he saying on Facebook? You know, they're not listening. This, like this person, please, this is ridiculous. I think that's his emotional yeah, outlet. Of course this it is. Guy, just, just like this, like this, uh, this actress, like this Rose is. McGowan. Yes. By the way, Rose McGowan was one of the actresses that called out Harvey Weinstein when uh, he he actually abused uh, mm-hmm. her and some other women. She was one of the first voices that spoke out well, against him. Praise the Lord that she was brave enough to do that. That doesn't mean that by any means that she's correct here. Though. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And uh, But it was, it was fascinating. So this tweet by her created a controversy. It's what I would call a social media storm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I followed some of that thread, and it, was, it got pretty ugly and vulgar and um, didn't take long for that conversation to just devolve into, again, some of like, you know, fifth grade, right. you know, maybe eighth grade uh, talk mm-hmm. and something we expect better from people, you know, adults. Uh, by the way, little side note on social media, be respectful. Don't use vulgar language. If uh, it's better to err on the side of caution, to be respectful, be careful with what you say. Understand that people can't see you. They don't see your facial expressions. They can't hear your tone. They, uh, there's a lot missing in the translation. But uh, if, if you're, it's going to end up inflaming and angering, and if you end up having to call names and belittling, 
um, probably don't need to be on there. Well, and and there's a there's an uh, people can be all kind of brave in their living room in their SpongeBob SquarePants pajama pants, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, type in on a thing with the protection of a screen and a house and all the rest of that. Yeah. Um, imagine you're standing. And looking somebody in the eyeball yeah. when you text and oh. tweet and all the rest of that, that they would be able to respond immediately to whatever it is that you said. If you just take that, if you think to yourself, "I'm going to speak as if I was right in front of the person," then that, that I think that's a that's a good rule of thumb. No, and that's a that's a really good point, yeah. Ron. It's you, you can be brave when you're on sure. your yeah. You know, drive on over to my house, knock on my door, open my let me open my door and talk to me that and, way. Another <laughs> test is imagine yourself being on a stage speaking to a mixed group, hundreds mm-hmm. of people, mm-hmm. and just letting her rip mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Most people would not do that. They realize no. it's mm-hmm. that they're everybody's looking at them right. and that they want to be respectful to a mixed audience. And the truth is is that when you're on social media, you're in front of a mixed audience. Absolutely. There are people with all, from all political stripes, from all backgrounds, all you name it, and we need to be mindful of that. Absolutely, and I, I just love the fact that this young lady thinks that she's speaking for fifty-two percent of all of America, yeah. um, and and that all of us, uh, well, the fifty-two percent, think that we're being held hostage by a terrorist regime, and that they don't know how to escape, and we're afraid that Iran is going to kill us. I heard a commentator speak, uh, kind of unpacking her statement in that tweet, and he related that to her being under Harvey Weinstein's control, that she was under a terrorist regime there, mm-hmm. she was held captive, and she, and along with other women, were abused as well, whether or not, uh, and I don't know the details there, but... Uh, you know, it's an interesting analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that the U.S. airstrike that killed Qasem Soleimani was to disrupt an imminent attack. This is according to CNN, uh, that we had information that there was going to be an imminent attack by Iran, and that could have cost us lives in the Middle East. And this is what Pompeo said, quote, I can't talk too much about the nature of the threats, but the American people should know that the president's decision to remove Soleimani from the battlefield saved American lives. Uh, This was preemptive, Ron, because we did apparently have evidence Mm -hmm. that he was plotting to kill Americans there. By the way, he had a track record of killing Americans uh, and killing other people, too. Mm -hmm. He He was a supporter of terrorism. And uh, actually, he was involved in Iraq trying to uh, gather troops and, and people around his cause to undermine what we were doing. But at one time, he actually fought with the troops that we were supporting, mm-hmm. the Iraqi troops. Uh, I guess pragmatism knows no bounds. I mean, he was had an agenda, and but he was not a good guy. So one thing that people on the both the political right and political left agree on is that this was a bad dude. Mm-hmm. He killed people in the past. He fostered terrorism and was involved with a number of terrorist um, plots and ac- actions over the years. But what was done in this case is it was a preemptive strike to stop him from killing innocent people. I, 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 I don't feel like I'm a I'm I'm led around by a ring in my nose. I mean, I, I think I'm well informed. I, I can make educated decisions, but e- even all of that, there are some things I just don't know. Yeah, actually, a whole lot of things I don't know. Yeah, and so there's some things I just have to take at face value. There's the president of the United States, 
arguably the most powerful man in the world, with the greatest government in the world, with the greatest access to information in the world, and all of those people think that this one man right here has cost American lives, mm -hmm. and it would save American lives by taking him out. Um, at, at some point, I have to trust my government right. with, you know, kind of with one eye, you know, right. kind of, you yeah. know, you know, with a little skepticism. You, you don't but follow the, blindly, but you have to right. realize, like you're saying, that you don't know everything. And at right. some point you do have to trust. Your right. Leaders. And so so for somebody to say, well, we've got a murderer in the White House and he's just arbitrarily killing people and that wasn't necessary and all the rest of that. OK, um, so you got on the set of your television show, you, you receive the same information. You know, I just it. Some of these things are just absolutely mind-boggling to no, me. No, it is. It is. Ron, we need to take a quick break. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Commonwealth Matters, and we'll be back in just a minute. Agape Service Foundation serves to meet the deepest spiritual and social needs of people. We feed and clothe those who are in need, ministering to the sick and the imprisoned, preaching the gospel to the poor, and offering healing and hope to the brokenhearted. Agape has ministered in Kentucky jails and prisons for over 45 years. We have established ministries in Haiti, Bangladesh, and the Dominican Republic. We conduct evangelism training and rescue women and children from life on the streets. Agape Service Foundation supplies chaplains for law enforcement, fire, emergency service, and first responders. And we assist individuals in getting admitted into rehab facilities, working hand-in-hand -hand with the court system. To learn more or how you can help us, visit agapesvf.com. That's agapesvf.com. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. With me is Ron Hicks, and we're talking about the U.S. action against uh, Iranian General Qasem Soleimani, who was uh, knocked out by a missile. Uh, this was a preemptive strike. That we had information that uh, said that he was about to uh, be involved with an action that could have cost innocent lives in uh, the Middle East. And, and is a, I served 11 years in the United States Army. I, I was going to say that. Yeah. You've got some perspective yes. on what it's like to serve overseas yes. and to yeah. be and, and in, I'm in not, the ranks. I'm not remotely considering myself or presenting myself as an expert in this situation. However, uh, actively plotting, and, and Pompey goes on to say he was going to take big action, as he described it, that would have put hundreds of lives at risk. Yeah. That may mean that this general was plotting some sort of offensive into like uh, the the green zone, the, yeah. the 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 militarized zone that's now safe, and it would have caused an increase in American presence there. More special operators operators would have had to go on over. Right now, the forces, the troops in Iran are are um, or in Iraq are, are are kind of in a training mode. So mm -hmm. we may have had to send combat folks over there now to be able to you know squell this, putting those lives in danger. So it may have been. 
to some, you know, not necessarily a terrorist attack, but an increase against aggression, causing us to beef up troops, causing those people to be in a, and so to eliminate all that by taking that one man out, who is a combatant against an enemy of the United States, you know, so, so when people say, well, what could he have done? There was no evidence that there was, you know, terrorists. Again, we have no idea what it was that he was plotting. Uh, just to say that somebody's going to arbitrarily blow somebody up and kill them and their son-in-law and a couple other folks, as the news media say, just because he's he's an egomaniac. Well, that, well, and actually some are making worse suggestions that this was a move by the president to distract people from the impeachment hearings. And uh, that's, that's troublesome. Um, if that was true, that'd be extremely troublesome, but it's also a troublesome charge that uh, it was for purposes of distraction. Now... <laughs> Right after, yeah, so you're shaking rubbing, your head. Uh, because any intelligent person would be able to realize, whether they're pro or, or con Trump, would realize that the House has done what they're going to do and the Senate is going to do what they're going to do. Both party, uh, both sides, incredibly uh, along party lines. And so the Senate, it, it's not going to get through the Senate. Yeah. It, no matter how much the House wants it to happen, well, any intelligent person is going to realize, unless the whole Senate right. dies all of a sudden of a heart attack, and in, in, <laughs> I mean, it's just not going to happen. As, so, of, as of this recording, that uh, the impeachment papers have not been sent over to the Senate. Yet. Yeah, so yeah. that's still yeah, up in the yeah. air where, I mean, where so, they go with So that. to say to distract from what? From ultimately the whole thing being, yeah. you know, whether you agree or disagree with that, that's how history is going to play out. Ron, shortly after this attack, uh, the U.S. Embassy in Iraq was stormed. Yeah. And uh, that was, uh, I did not see any footage. I listened to some commentary regarding this, but... It sounded like uh, it was just overrun. Uh, there was some damage done to the embassy. Uh, the, those who were involved, uh, there, I do not understand that there was loss of life. I, I understand mm-hmm. that they just went through and ransacked some of it, and then eventually they got close to where there were armed Marines, and then they left. Uh, but this is troubling. When you see any embassy, it doesn't matter what country it represents or is there, it's troubling to see an aggressive action against that embassy because these are supposedly so- sovereign That's territories right. of that country. Right. It's just like an attack on American soil. Right. Our attack on any embassy across the globe is like an attack on our soil. Well, and to, show, to talk about restraint, and when people are saying, you, I can't believe the president did this, when our embassy was attacked, the Marines— uh, there, there was as the news reports that I heard. There were sounds of gunfire, but probably to to scatter the crowds. The, the heavily armed Marines. Right around the corner, there were um, Iraqi um, uh, soldiers who were staged, ready to intervene if they needed to. But they used discretion, and they said, yeah. "Well, go ahead and let them protest." Yeah. They backed out. Sure enough, and then they paraded around to be able to say, "See, look how we embarrassed the government." Yeah. But there, it could have been a full, all-out. Let's just, you know, just just annihilate these folks. But that's not what needed to be done in that there, situation. There was concern that this might be another Benghazi, where sure, our sure. Uh, embassy. I'm trying to Somalia, uh, Ethiopia, somewhere in the Middle East, right? Uh, was overrun. Uh, we had an ambassador, and other Americans were killed there. And that was but tragic. But here, there was far, far more protection mm-hmm. and with the, the, the Iranian soldiers, but they chose not to. They showed restraint. Mm-hmm. So to, to assume that you wouldn't have also shown restraint and only done what's necessary at taking that general's life, mm-hmm. to assume that you would be irresponsible in one place but responsible in another, that doesn't make any sense either. No, it doesn't. Uh, 
U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that the U.S. intelligence community assessment led to the strike, and he said that the risk of doing nothing was enormous. The intelligence community made that assessment, and President Trump acted decisively last night. And of course, this was a few days ago. Uh, so this was a significant move. We've been at a Cold War with Iran for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iran is the largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Iran has been hostile towards us. They've had a number of actions, violent actions against us. They've bombed ships in the Middle East. They have uh, done covert uh, terrorist operations. They've been at- actually <laughs> attacked Israel over the last several years, lobbing missiles there. And um, unfortunately, a lot of their training has come under U.S. government because when I was in the military, stationed in Italy, when the first Gulf War broke out, I looked out into the harbor uh, uh, where we lived and there were Iranian uh, oil ships that were flying U.S. flags. Wow. And they were under the protection of the United States government. In the event that somebody attacked those, it would have been an attack on the U.S. government. So we're not completely spotless in this whole thing because sometimes we have, you know, in the past, we have tried to shore up governments. And in this case, we have we have helped train people who are now coming against us. And so we've got that's. That we've got to own that. And so we have to be able to say, yes, we so, did that. We've got so, to own that. So, Ron, there are some politicians today that say, hey, this would not be an issue if we just stay out of other nations' affairs. Rand Paul is one who would like to pull out out of all of the nations where we have military bases. He'd say, bring them home, stop spending money over there, and uh, we'll be done with it. Then we don't have to deal with problems like this. What would be your response to that? As the next soldier, I'd rather fight in your neighborhood than in my neighborhood. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and that's one. I think that's one reason why we're still in so many places across the w- world. Because, and that really is a result of World War II. Yeah, we I'd rather not bases. fight at all. But, but I mean, honestly, but, but honestly, if if it's got to happen, I'd rather it happen in your in your neighborhood than in mine. We are the world's largest superpower, and kind of we are the world's policeman, whether we like it or not. And, and when when we when you're confronted with a bully, when there's a bully, when there's a there's an oppressive regime, I mean, uh, Saddam Hussein would take. Uh, we just uh, a program talked about the, the LGBT community. They would if if somebody was in Iran uh, 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 and and they were openly homosexual, they would tie their arms oh. and legs and throw them off of buildings and oh, videotape yeah. that to show everybody. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we we toppled that regime yeah. because we said that that's that is that we can't allow that. It's to a happen. brutal. It is a brutal regime right. uh, where not just violence against the LGBT community, but uh, well, Muammar Gaddafi and and all those things that we had a hand in, in toppling those governments. It, was that the wrong thing to do? At the time, you got to do what you got to do to stop somebody from just genocide, from killing folks. Now, what I was going to say is the violence against Christians in Iran. Oh, yeah. You cannot be a practicing Christian. You're mm-hmm. not allowed to um, openly share the faith. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are uh, pastors in prison there. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, there is a revival happening in Iran right now. There's a, a movie that's out. The name escapes me, but. It's about the revival and awakening that's happening. Iran, if this movie's accurate, it, it has the um, fastest rates of conversions to Christianity than any other country in the world. You know what, brother? When when accepting Jesus Christ costs you everything, yeah. you are truly sold out. Yeah. Um, church membership in America costs nothing. I've been all over the world, and I'm not bad-mouthing the church in America. I serve the church in America. But in other countries, 
um, church membership means something. If, yeah. if you don't tithe, I mean, they post tithers on the front door. You don't tithe, uh, you are brought before the church. If you're caught smoking, drinking, uh, um, they, they bring you before the church, church discipline. Um, uh, if you don't attend, they bring you before the church. It costs everything. In Muslim yeah. nations, it costs your job. It costs your family to join the church. Oh, your house. When, you get higher it, taxes it, yeah. put placed on you. When accepting Christ costs you everything, you know that person's all in. Yeah. And, and, and that person's going to start a revival. It's true. We may see that uh, break out uh, to a greater extent, in not just in Iran, but in other Middle Eastern mm-hmm. nations. We mm-hmm. know at the root of the violence and at the root of the anger and the hatred is a spiritual crisis. It's because people are at war with the living God, and this is a result of it. We need to take a quick break, Ron, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Commonwealth Matters. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. With me is Ron Hicks, and we're talking about the escalation of violence in the Middle East, particularly with Iran. We uh, took out one of their top generals recently, and we're bracing for further retaliation. Mm -hmm. Ron, I'd like us to spend this last segment on uh, what is the Christian response? There's some listening who might be pacifists, and they might say, well, it's not Christian to be at war. Uh, there's a passage in the Old Testament about beating their swords into plowshares mm-hmm. and their pruning and their sword and spears into pruning hooks. I think, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, we do have this principle in Scripture that values human life. Mm-hmm. Human life is precious; it's a gift from God. It should be preserved and protected. So, how can you be for war? Mm-hmm. I'm putting it in your. You, and, you're and, a pastor, and yeah. you served in the army. And I would say, brother, sister, live your faith. Uh, uh, what your convictions are, your free moral agent. Um, as the Spirit leads you, then, then, then. Um, I mean, there's there's a Medal of Honor winner, only one Medal of Honor winner in all of um, uh, American military history that was a pacifist that did not uh, fire a shot. Uh, there's a movie made about him, Hacksaw Ridge, uh, absolutely. And uh, so, so he was a pacifist, but understood that there was a a great evil that needed to be eradicated, and he did what he could without firing a shot. So I would say, live your faith and live it out loud. Um, I, on the other hand, um, you know, subscribe to you know, when Jesus said, "When I sent you out uh, without anything, did you lack?" And and the scriptures said, "No, we lack for nothing." He said, "Now I'm," you know, basically he was saying, "I'm going to the cross now." So now this time, take your purse, uh, and and if you don't have any swords, sell your cloaks and buy swords. And the disciples said, "Well, Jesus, we have two. And he said, "Okay, that's sufficient." So what I hear Jesus saying is. You're going to be going into places now where you may need to defend yourself, and I'm going. That's my conviction, and so I'm, I'm going to live that faith. And I think we can coexist as brothers and sisters in, in Christ. Yeah, you know Dietrich Bonhoeffer in World War II was had pacifistic. Is that what? What am I? That's not the right. Pacifistic. 
tendencies. Mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm, a, he, he was mm-hmm. nonviolent, but as he saw his homeland of Germany uh, taken over by a madman, there's yeah. no other word he to was explain. Plotting. He pl- at, plotted to try to kill Hitler. Well, he his mind was changed because mm-hmm. he saw what Hitler was doing mm-hmm. to innocent people. Mm-hmm. He was very aware of what he wanted to do, and he there's a quote, and I, I don't have it offhand, but essentially he said, "If I see a man driving down the road in a car." running over people, I have a duty to wrest that steering wheel from that man. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what he did with Hitler. Mm-hmm. He was involved with a conspiracy mm-hmm. to kill him. Mm-hmm. And the logic was, look, if we take him out, he cannot do this horrible evil, which mm-hmm. ultimately resulted in not just 6 million Jews uh, killed in the gas chambers, mm-hmm. but it resulted in millions and millions of others in Europe and hundreds of thousands of American lives that were lost in Europe because of one man's drive to uh, wipe out the Jewish race and one man's drive to uh, rule all mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a, a case where Bonhoeffer really did live out his faith. And his mm-hmm. theology changed yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. He moved from one camp to another. Mm-hmm. And Ron, I like what you said, that we have to live our faith out loud. We yeah. might have different uh, might be in a different place and how we think about this, but we need to live our faith out loud yeah, yeah. on this. Um, mm-hmm. This is a tough issue to talk about. Sure it War is. and taking up arms and self-defense. Uh, I want to cover a couple things about just cause. You know, there's something called just war theory. It actually has Christian roots. It was one of the theologians a uh, long time ago that came up with this. And I'm trying to think of his... It was Augustine or Aquinas, one of the mm-hmm. theologians. One of those, but, yeah. <laughs> but they they came up with this idea that war is justified if there are certain conditions that are met. There's six of them. First of all, first one is that the war must be for a just cause, mm-hmm. like defending innocent people. Right. Right? That would be a just cause. Uh, the war must be lawfully declared by a lawful authority. Uh, thirdly, the intention between behind the war must be good. Fourth, uh, all other ways of resolving the problem should have been tried first. Fifth, there must be a reasonable chance of success. And then finally, the means used must be in proportion to the end that the war seeks to achieve. Yeah. So these are some rules that have been embraced by the West for the most part in mm-hmm. just war. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of it is based, it's based on justice. Just mm-hmm. comes from the idea of justice. Mm-hmm. You. Uh, you do what's right. You're trying to meet out, meeting out righteousness to a situation. I'm reminded of a scripture that, in a, in a, a paraphrase, it, it, it's before a king goes to war, he counts the cost. Yeah. Um, you know, so this whole idea of there must be a reasonable chance of success, and and I, I can see many of these things, uh, you know, directly relating to biblical principles. Certainly. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Um, so one of the things I would add to this, too, is for Christians that are, let's say you're serving in the military or thinking of thinking of serving mm-hmm. uh, or if you're if your nation's at war, we need to be at prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- for us as individuals, but for our nation and for those leaders who are making important decisions for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so prayer uh, is something we should resort to. And I would caution also if 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 listener if you if you're of the same built to cloth that I am, where you think yes, okay, it's justifiable. I'm, I will serve in the military, protect and defend, and all the rest of that. And you encounter a brother or sister who is a pacifist. Do not ever consider that other person a coward. Do not ever declare that that other person is a coward because that in itself is a cowardly act. To assume you know what that other person's motivation is, it would take an incredible amount of bravery to say, 
I'm going to live my faith. I'm going to live my conviction. And despite every part of me that wants to declare violence, I sense that the Holy Spirit is saying peace. Let me be a peacemaker. So, so let's don't, let's, let's don't become uh, prompted by the devil to be able to assail others for their, for their convictions. So, right. No, that's a good word. That's good. And on that word, Ron, we're going to have to close. So, Hey, great program. God bless you. And we'll see you next time. God bless you listeners. Thank you for joining us.